carrier charges for your cell phone provider may apply, though, so check with your cell provider to make sure. So ready? Here you go. Get a pen. Here's the number. Studio A is 712-432-6958, and Studio B is 716-748-0112. Thank you very much for listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station in the world. The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host... Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we all call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. 
explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. So, let me tell you about my latest adventure. I have lately been thinking about Atlantis. Don't know why, it just seems to be constantly popping up in front of me, and and when a fascination like that happens, I, I tend to try to figure out why. And to be honest with you, I was pretty sure I really had a pretty good take on exactly what Atlantis was and what happened to it and the magic that was around it. And But I thought because I'd been drawn to it that maybe it was a good idea to check it out, to do a little investigation. And, and as with most of my projects, a little investigation goes into a lot of it. And then also the aspect of, oh, my goodness, um, I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And I certainly didn't have a good understanding as to what the true foundations were that I was working from. So I, I got in touch with St. Google and uh, we have spent many, many days um, bringing me to a time of uh Damn, I didn't really know I, I as much as I thought I did. So I went back to the very beginning as far as recorded history can can go. And and that said, you know, with, with a twinkle in my eye, I went back to Plato. And the very first mention of it in antiquity, sort of, is in two of and now now Plato goes back to uh three fifty five BC, which would be about twenty three hundred years ago. And at that time, he wrote two di- he wrote he wrote a lot of stuff, but he wrote two di- dialogues. Uh, I'll pronounce these wrong: the Timaeus and the Sidious, something like that. And anyhow, he was talking about the the continent of Atlantis, and and um, he was talking about it as history, and the history predated him by about ten thousand years. Now, I, I kind of knew it went back to Plato, but what I didn't know after doing the reading I did on it, if you're like me, you thought that this was a this was an uh, uh, an island that, that was ruled by by highly advanced scientists, and it was a blissful society, and the the magic and crystals and all sorts of stuff were going on there. It turns out that. Um, Actually, that was actually Athens, and Atlantis was actually um, a very military, um, according to according to Plato, it was a military-run um, warrior-like civilization that that really did a whole bunch of taking over land, and um, it 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 absolutely well well they they took over a tremendous amount of land. They were warriors. They enslaved everybody that they, they took under their, their wing, so to speak. And, and it, the Athenians uh, rose up against them. There was a war and the Athenians won. And shortly thereafter, um, Atlantis was, was, um, you know, it, it sank because of 
earthquakes and all sorts of stuff like that. And so then I thought, well, okay, so where did the other stuff come? So I started investigating and I, I went through Francis Bacon. I went through Helena um, Blavatsky, heavy duty stuff, by the way. Um, and then after that, Ignatius Donnelly and then Lewis Spence and um, my goodness, it, 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 it go, Alastair Crowley, um, Jane Roberts, Rudolf Steiner, of course, Edgar Casey. Um, found Frank Alper, who was a spiritualist channel, who talked about um, the Atlanteans having come from a planet called Atlantis. That now these people were highly evolved, and and their destroy their planet was destroyed ninety thousand years ago, and many of them fled to Earth, and that's that's how. Atlantis got its start, according to him. I mean, I went on and on and on, and, and, and some of these these theories were, were were phenomenal. And then I realized, okay, so wait a minute. Everybody channels and 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 philosophers are all saying there was an Atlantis. And and as far as Edgar Casey stuff went, yeah, some of the places that he said actually have um, turned up, so that so that in many ways, you know. A little bit of credence goes there. But I kept wondering, okay, so who were these people? And 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 how did, I, I mean, I understand how all of the, the stories as to what it was and who they were. Um, it's, it's kind of like that telephone game. You whisper into one person's ear, and then by the time it gets to the end, it's a completely different story. And that that appears to be what has happened here. And so... I went to, because we're talking about channelers and prophets, the one that, that, that I truly respect, even even above and beyond a lot of the ones that, that prior to the last five or six years I, I thought were fabulous, is Billy Meyer, because his material has proved um, authentic, it's been proved true, it's it's uh, and, and so I thought, well, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure he's talked about everything under the sun from, from fungus and toenails to planetary alignments, um, may- maybe not the fungus, but, um, but he's, he's, he has, he's been doing this for so long that he's covered just about every topic. And I, fe- I, I, I want to know who these people were that, that were on this island and, and what really took place. So my authority in the field is, is a good friend, um, Mark Snyder. He, he is, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best authorities out there on the Billy Meyer material, unless you want to talk German. And then of course you can go straight to the source, but I don't. And so I go to Mark. Um, so Mark is with me today, and I want to welcome you to the show, Mark. I'm so glad you're here to help clear up my befuddlement because it's amazing. And I, there were four Atlantises. Who knew? Well, hi, Barbara. It's great to be on your show again. And, uh, you know, I've studied the Atlantis stuff for quite a while, and I still feel like I'm scratching the surface. Uh, we've got a couple hours of material here easily to get through and I still don't think I'm to the core of it yet. So we'll have to see how it goes. Um, how are you this morning? I'm, I'm excited because I've, I've read some of Billy's material. I've gone through several of the okay. contacts. Some of them are, are 
a little, um, well, some of them are con- contradictory to a point, but but I'm fascinated because it feels like it, with with Billy's material, these people have been coming to this planet to make war on each other for thousands and thousands of years. Let me maybe start at the a beginning good place. if you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me start where you left off just for a second here. You, you kind of uh, piqued my memory on something. You were talking about Plato, and Plato wrote about Atlantis, and uh, the Meyer material sometimes talks a lot about reincarnation. In fact, it does talk a lot about reincarnation and spiritual teaching. And the player and tell us that Plato has reincarnated in our age. And in fact, the, the, the second reincarnation of Plato was a man named Otto Heinrich Muck, who um, lived from about 1892 to 1956. He was born in Vienna, and he graduated as an engineer in the Munich College of Advanced Technology. He invented 2,000, he invented 2000 different things that got patents during the time of his life. He flew as an officer in World War One and uh, in World War II. Uh, he did um, research in the Penamunde rocket research team for the Nazis. He was a um, scientific consultant after World War II, and he died in 1956 following uh, a major accident. So just I thought you might find that interesting that Plato has reincarnated, and he was um, working in the Punamunde rocket research team. You know, that's where Werner von Braun worked. Yeah. Von Braun. And... um, I'm trying to think um, the other fellow's name. It'll come back to me later. Von Braun's teacher. Um, well, we can, I'll, I'll, I'll think of it later if it's uh-huh. relevant. But I thought that um, you would find that interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and not only that, but from, from all I can tell here is after the last cataclysm, the, a lot of the people who a lot of the energy spirits that were there at that time have reincarnated into this lifetime. And the connection that I'm making, but every time I, I found that, that every time there were many different times that these people from other planets came here and, and basically it, it seems to be the Atlantis area um, uh, that they always settle in. And now we're going back, you know, tens of thousands of years, but it's almost a- more than that. Even there, there are. I don't like I said. This destroyed. This topic is so large. There, I know. There are more than one Atlantis. There's more than yes. one Atlantis, and there's one that goes back about a hundred. The original settling of the Earth. After the fall of the civilization of Pelagon, according to the Meyer information, and I'll preface everything by saying that, okay. that 133,000 133, years ago, Atlant and his wife, Karyatide, came here, 
they settled on this island continent somewhere between uh, South America and Africa. And they started to build, they came here with thousands of other settlers and they, and they started to build this beautiful city of Atlantis. And it wasn't long before you'd see these, this incredible architecture on the skyline. Um, the, the city of Mu was, or Lemuria, depending on how you want to say this, was um, built later. And it was built in, the, um, in a desert area in China, in the uh, China area. And um, it was built on two cities. On t- there, was a, there was the top, the part on, that was above the ground, and then there was a part that was a, below the ground. Agartha Alpha and Agartha Beta were below the ground, and they were connected by a tunnel system. Now, is so this the, in the area of the, of the Gobi Desert? Yes, this is in the area of the Gobi Desert, but at that time, it wasn't even a desert, from what I can understand. So, And they built these cities uh, at some distance because they knew that often war would break out, and they found if they... If they lived as far apart as each other as they could, there would be a less likelihood for war. So that was what, what happened there. Okay. So ultimately there was a war? Ultimately there was a war. There was a great war during the time of Atlantis and Lemuria. Um, it's a rather long story, and I'm trying to think of the best way for us to kind of break into this. So um, let me see. If we, I kind of, I do a lot of. There's a lot of information here. Let's drop okay, back well, to wait, about. Let a, me let me let me ask you sure. something here, though. <clears throat> sure. When we're talking about these people. Are these plagiarans? Are these from the Pleiades? What star system are they from? A lot of these people came from Beta Centauri. Now, Beta Centauri. What I'm I'm really trying to understand here is, okay, they, they, they came from other worlds. Did they, was there... Were there indigenous people on the planet at that time, and did they intermingle, or are we talking before there, there, or did they or the remnants of them become the indigenous people? The history of the Earth is very convoluted. There were indigenous people. There was a native Earth human that started to develop on the Earth about 12 million years ago, uh, Homo sapiens sapien um, started to de- uh, develop on the earth about nine to, nine to 12 million years ago. You get different uh, stories from different people. Now, as we come closer to our time, there are also, also Neanderthals on the earth. So if you go back 45,000 years ago, there were still Neanderthals on the earth. Now, so there was a native earth human, and that's normal 
before creation. On, on worlds throughout the universe, there's a natural process that occurs if that world is in the habitable zone around its star. And what develops are plants and animals. And if the conditions are right, the, the planet will become uh, forested, heavily, heavily forested. And then animals will start to rise. And what happens is... Uh, mankind will start to evolve, not from apes, but from what we would call kind of monkeys, Let's, for lack of a better term. Um, we didn't actually develop from the apes. We developed from primates. And that happens. That's See, the creation, as the Meyer material calls it, follows a standard pattern. And... This is the normal evolution that occurs on worlds. And the reason that Homo sapiens sapiens develops on other worlds is because of the purpose of creation to evolve. And creation is the universal intelligence, the universal consciousness. It's not God. There is no God, according to Meyer material. The closest thing you can come to God is this universal intelligence, but it's not it's not omniscient, it's not omnipresent, it's not, uh, it's not like a god. It's a neutral, positive spirit, and it's evolving, and it's changing, and it has created this universe and all these worlds in order to help its own evolution. And it takes uh -huh. a tiny fragment of itself as a human spirit. Now, everything, every plant, every animal has a spirit form. But human beings have something unique. You can almost think of it as a fragment of the universal consciousness. And that's called the human spirit. And the human spirit resides in our midbrain in an area called the superior colliculus which is what controls our sight and our gaze when we look around. So the primate, when it becomes Homo sapiens sapien, will get it, the spirit form. It will get the human spirit form. Now, what's different about the human spirit form is it has the capacity for consciousness evolution, which is different than plants and animals. Now, animals will actually advance in their intelligence and their instincts, and plants have what's called an impulse evolution. But human beings have something higher called consciousness evolution. And there are seven evolutionary steps that human societies everywhere go through. So what was happening on the Earth is that these new spirit forms were incarnated into Homo sapiens sapien, and they had lived probably for a, a million or two years of reincarnations, which is extremely young, by the way. Yeah. Extremely, extremely young. So they were still basically cavemen, and the Meyer material refers to them as the Evas or the bearers. So if you go back 
133,000 years ago, when the Atlanteans first came here, there was a naturally evolving earth human on the planet. So these Atlanteans, some of which who came from Beta Centauri, some, I believe, came from the uh, Bernard star, but I think the majority came from Beta Centauri, which is, let me, let me just stop here for a minute, because Beta Centauri uh, is a star system that's about 300 light years away. Now, in ancient Aramaic, uh, the term for Beta Centauri is Hadar, which means to settle, to be civilized, to be on the ground. So I find it kind of humorous that this ancient people would look at a star and name it to be settled or to be on the ground or to call it civilization. And the reason they did that, I think, is because they knew about these contacts and they knew that these people came here from other worlds. So the Atlanteans... um, came, part of them came from Beta Centauri. This was 133,000 years ago. They were uh-huh. led by what's called an Ishwish, or a king of wisdom, named Atlant. Now, Atlant, as an Ishwish, says, that says that he's in what's called the fifth stage of evolution. So briefly, and I'll try not to belabor this stuff, because I, you know it's better if I don't just rattle on forever, I guess. Just interrupt <laughs> me when you want to. Uh, okay. Uh, so there are seven evolutionary steps that human societies go through. And we go from primitive life. Um, we go to rational life. And supposedly our civilization is in rational life. The third stage is intelligent life. The fourth stage is real life, and amazing things happen there. Uh, For example, um, we master telepathy and telekinesis and uh, genetic engineering. For example, um, these very advanced extraterrestrial human civilizations will start to develop uh, ships that can fly from star system to star system with no time passing, they, the ships will also have a, a biological central intelligence. In other words, uh, we're not using uh, normal computers anymore, but biological computers, computers that were created through genetic engineering, computers that are sentient, computers that really shouldn't even be called computers because they're, they're sentient, they're living beings. And Semyase, uh-huh. uh, Billy's third contact, um, her ship had a, a sentient central computer system that she could uh, communicate with telepathically. So, um, and she was in a stage above the fourth stage. She was in the in the fifth stage of evolution. And that is, is what? That's called life and creational wisdom. And Atlant was in the fifth stage of evolution 133,000 years ago. And he was what's called a JHWH, also known as an Ishwish. Now, what happens at this stage of evolution is something really magical and amazing. That, And you have to go into, we have a spiritual consciousness 
and material consciousness. The spiritual consciousness does not die. What controls the thoughts and the feelings of the spiritual consciousness is something called the Gemut in the German. We have a material consciousness, and what controls our material consciousness is called the psyche, and the psyche controls the thoughts and the feelings of the material consciousness. So in these highly, highly evolved humans, the spiritual consciousness, the gamut, starts to be able to use what's called the, the swinging, swinging wave in the German, uh, which are these uh, electromagnetic waves that come from what's called the electromagnetic realm of life. And these waves can have tremendous uh, power. They build up tremendous power at times. And the psyche, which is your spiritual consciousness, can send this wave to the material consciousness where it can be used, where it can affect physical reality. And I'll give you an example. Semyase used this ability to harness the swinging wave to burn photographs. There were photographs of, of San Francisco when it was destroyed. San Francisco will be destroyed in the future in an earthquake, according to Meyer information. And some of those photographs made it um, back, and, and, and they should have been destroyed. They, they had things on them that would have adversely affected our society if we'd have seen them. So Semyase destroyed those with her mind, and she burned the photographs. It's talked about in a contact report. Now, so that's where we get these stories of, of God. Yeah. And that's where the confusion comes from. Uh, because we have the whole idea of demons and, and, and angels. And according to my information anyway, these things are uh, the misunderstanding, particularly of, of native earth humans. Um, Billy has a very interesting book called The Psyche, which talks a little bit about what I'm, what I'm describing here. So when I say Atlant was an Ishwish, that's kind of the whole background story of what that all is. Now, his wife was in what they call an Ishrish as well, uh, the female version of, of a king of wisdom. Uh, now, Atlant was a man of Lyrian descent. And um, I've heard he had broad shoulders and white skin. He was probably very, very tall. The Lyrians, according to Meyer information, are kind of the root race for human beings in our galaxy. They came to our Milky Way galaxy 20, 30 million years ago. And then they fanned out and they started to settle in different worlds. And they were kind of warlike still. They would conquer other worlds. Now... To make things even more complicated here, um, <laughs> yeah. as if it wasn't complicated enough already, the Meyer information says that there are different space-time configurations in our, uh, in our universe. Now, what that means, we can get a rough idea, kind of like different dimensions. So these Lyrians didn't come from Lyra Vega in our space-time configuration. 
but in a different space-time configuration. These beta people from Beta Centauri also were living in a different space-time configuration. So not only were they traveling vast distances, but they were switching over to our dimension, so to speak. Now, what exactly that means, I do not have my mind completely wrapped around yet. So these were human beings from other star systems in slightly different space-time configurations, which were at different levels of evolution than we are. And that's where we get this whole idea of these gods from the past. Now, Uh not all these gods were friendly. um, And I think we'll probably get to that here uh, before too long. What Um, what seems to confuse me, and, and of course, you know, I have, as I say often, just enough information to get into trouble. (laughs) Um, and and I think I'm about to step in it. Um, (laughs) it, it feels to me from what I read, from what I gathered, and, and I've, I've only had a couple weeks to do this. So I'm certainly not at the depth that you are with it. I found it interesting that these groups of visitors from different places appear to have come back to the same areas thousands, I mean, over a period of thousands of years, several times to destroy the same area. But it almost feels as though the earth plane is, is their um, Armageddon is, is the, their, the earth plane feels as though it is the Armageddon for these, these different Time frames, they come back to the same, they come back to the same place to destroy the same stuff over and over again. I mean, am I wrong? Well, I don't think they came here with the intention of destroying things. I think they came here um, with the intention of living peacefully, the majority of them. Now, there is an exception to that rule. There's a fellow named Eris the Barbarian, uh-huh. who was one of these scientists who had like 200 leaders and sub-leaders under him. He had a scientist under him, interesting, a male scientist named Semyaza, who is also mentioned in Contact Report 191. Now, uh-huh. Eris, Eris, um, conquered Hyperborea. So, I tell you, we're going to go into some wild stuff here today. Hyperborea, <laughs> according to my information, was in the north, in the northern area. Uh, Hyperborea was a very beautiful and warm area. It was probably, and here it is near the North Pole. There was something fundamentally different about our um, earth at this time. And I'm not exactly sure why we would have this warm weather in in this northern area, but we... But there was an axis shift, so that would explain that. Well, the axis shift happened afterwards. 
And we'll get into that. That's a very long story uh, of when that happened and how that affected us. But the Meyer information says that the Hyperborea was the area in the North Pole. It was very warm. It had like an eternal summer. There were um, trees that would produce oranges and all different sorts of um, actually, before the axis shift, Florida was in this area. Mm-hmm. At the, at the top. So Florida was actually located in the northern regions before the pole shift and the upset of the Earth's axis. And, and the far north in ancient times was called Hyperborea. And the forces of Eris the Barbarian conquered Hyperborea in ancient times. Now, Hyperborea was, he was nicknamed the Barbarian. He was a king of wisdom in, in an area of science. Now, sometimes these king of wisdoms, if they didn't study the spiritual teachings, would turn out to be these murderous tyrants, which we'll learn more about, hopefully, in a little bit. So, Eris conquered Hyperborea, his son went into India and conquered uh, the area of what we would call Indian Pakistan. And that's why the country India of today is sometimes called Aryan, because this was one of the sons of the Aris. So, yes. Now, no, interestingly, I, go ahead, go ahead. No, no I, I just, and, and with all of these, um, with with all of these conquering things, there were people there. So so what I'm trying to gather is um, <clears throat> where I mean are are we now a mix of that that blood and genetic material and what was here, or did they stay true to themselves and they just you know, enslaved the populations? Well, that's a very, very good question. Um, it was even Eris the Barbarian, the evilest, the, the bad guy. He was like Darth Vader, okay? That's, if you want okay. a good analogy. He was against the mingling of the people that came from the stars and the people that were living on Earth. But it happened. In fact, one of his own scientists mated with an earth woman. And the offspring we call Adam today. Adam was uh, 16 feet tall. He was huge. He was a giant. Oh, that's the original. That's that's what else I wanted to get, you know, to, to sort of touch on. Because if you go into the talk material... He talks about the Atlanteans being giants. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's very, very possible. Very possible. And not only that, there was genetic engineering done. Um, and Semyasa did some of this genetic engineering. They produced giants through genetic engineering, some of which were nearly 40 feet tall. Mm-hmm. And they were extremely aggressive. And they ate everything. <laughs> so I wanted to 
you might find this interesting. Hyperborea, the Hyperboreans, eventually, in later times, the ones that were left, uh, moved to Mount Shasta in Northern California. And there was a small city in Mount Shasta for a while that had 700 people who were these Hyperboreans. And they were the leftover descendants of a group of extraterrestrials that lived on the Earth in the ancient past. Sometimes you could see their golden-colored spacecraft coming out of Mount Shasta on the eastern slope, I believe it was, and sometimes Mount Mammoth. And uh, on my website, I have a, a link to uh, a photograph of one of these ships. The city was very deep in the center of Mount Shasta. The entrance was very well camouflaged, and it was on the eastern mountain peak. And these Hyperboreans, they would sometimes get visits from extraterrestrials who were co coming here from other worlds as well. Occasionally, they would actually mix with some of the local areas, people in Mount Shasta there, but mostly they would keep to themselves. They had beam weapons sometimes that they would use to stun uh, Earth people that came too close. Um, now, this is very interesting to me anyway. The Hyperboreans had a king of wisdom, another one of these king of wisdoms. So there were people on the Earth as, as late as 1995. They all left in 1995, from what I can tell. And I've even contacted some people from Switzerland just to you know, guarantee that or get as close as I can anyway to the truth. Um, so there these Hyperboreans were on, some of them were Ishwish. They were at the fifth level of evolution. One of these Ishwishes gave Hanok his great wisdom. And one of these Ishwishes commissioned Noah to build the great ark. And Noah did not actually uh, build the ark by himself. Uh, and a lot of the large animals that were on the ark could have never made it off of Mount Ararat if they would have landed on the peak. And they they did not land on the peak. Um, the ark landed lower. Again, I was saying earlier, these polar regions during the time of Henoch were wondrous landscapes. They were filmed with, they had palm trees, tropical vegetation. It was a paradise on earth. And they had an uninterrupted summer. So this was Hyperborea before the pole shift. And by the way, Noah, uh, who the Meyer material calls Noah Codnesser, was about three meters tall, which was over 10 feet, three meters yep. and 10 centimeters. So he was a giant. I know you find the giants interesting. Well, I, you know, it's <clears throat> because, because a lot of those biblical characters um, were we, they, they were known to be giants, and yet, and yet the Bible doesn't mention it, like Saint Patrick and you know some of the other ones. Um, so, that, so the giants were, you know, a reality to the people who were writing the Bible stories, the Old Testament, anyhow. Let me let me drop a bomb here. Uh, the Meyer material is very controversial. Uh, sure. I don't know why. I end up with this, this controversy. I'm not a controversial person. I don't like controversy. 
it seems like if, if you try to get, get to the truth, you keep studying, you're going to find yourself in controversy. Give it a rest, okay. Mark. You like to drop the bombs. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I don't. I really don't. Okay, this is Quetzal in Contact Report 229 talking to Billy. He says, uh, everything is complete. The biblical handed down data and stories are in truth based on legends, deliberate lies, and falsifications, and on a deceitfully produced chronicle that is incorrectly arranged and wildly imagined. This also applies to the dates of the ancient genuine prophets. They, they say are Jeremiah, Jezeah, Eliah, and Hanak, converted to the Christian calendar of the day, and then they, they give the, the birth dates. So a lot of even the names of these prophets are are very different. Now oh, this yeah. whole contact contact report two twenty nine is from the prophet that we call Jeremiah. Uh, and one thing I haven't done today at all is kind of lay any of the groundwork, um, which maybe we have some new listeners or we'll have some new listeners to this show have never heard of. Billy Meyer, Edward Albert Meyer. According to Meyer information, his spirit form has been on a mission here on the earth for the past 13,000 years. He has been the prophets we call Enoch, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Emmanuel, and Muhammad. Now, the prophecies that come from Jeremiah are mentioned in Contact Report 229, and they are prophecies that are not prophecies. These are actually predictions, because the prophecies are things which may happen. The predictions Mm -hmm. are things that the Meyer material says will happen. And it's quite interesting, because the same phrase is repeated at the beginning of each one of these paragraphs. It says, when the prophet of the new time spreads his teaching... In the new time, the time of the great transformation has begun. It will start in the second millennium and lead far into the third millennium after the birth of the prophet Emmanuel. Now, the prophet Emmanuel, the Meyer material says, is the real name of the person that we call Jesus today. Yes. They say that Jesus, the story of Jesus, is a how would we put that a a uh, it's a dramatization or a um, allegory an allegory is a good way to put it of the life of a man who really lived and this man is Emmanuel and when the uh-huh. second millennium ends and the third has begun human beings will be blinded by gold and material values to such an extent that they will be counting tailors, silver coins in all countries everywhere. And even when human beings look up at the stars at night, they will see only gold, gemstones, and tailors. They will build cult places for cults to worship and will pay homage to a non-existent God as well as saints who are human beings canonized by human beings. The places for cults Worship of a non-existent God will become sites for merchants and money changers. 
the lenders who lend various acquisitions, temporary dwellings, and many inventions for a fee will become avaricious users. Um, the judicial authorities will administer justice unlaw unlawfully and no longer punish the wrongdoers for their evil deeds, but will reward them by imposing penalties that are insignificant. Thus, the huge fire of injustice will smolder and burn and will lend its helping hand to fornication, whereby it is inevitable that every city and town will be a place of fornication, which is degenerated in the worst form of inhumanity. And also the children and their children will live a life of degeneration in the worst form of inhumanity and will become a cloud of blazing heat that burns and destroys everything. They will raise the old flags dripping with blood, and they will spread terror and leave uncountable deaths. The power of the world will ruthlessly abuse their power. The powerful of the world will abuse their power and allow the killing of innumerable innocent human beings. They will transform the building blocks of life into death-bringing weapons in order to destroy nature and to kill human beings in vast numbers. So this, these are the words of Jeremiah, uh, a former personality of the spirit form that's currently in Edward Albert Meyer. So I'll let well, you comment. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> well, it does sound as though that's where we are today. Um, but, but, you know, every generation has people standing on the street corner saying the world is coming to an end, repent. Um, I just, you know, from, from all of the prophecies that, that you and I have gone over that Billy has, has gifted us with, so many of them are, um, you know, have come to fruition, you know, that, that, that we have been able to point a finger to and say that happened and that happened and that happened and that happened. Um, it's so, so. I know at one point, um, whoever Billy was talking to at, at that particular time, they said they weren't going to give any more prophecies because nobody was paying any attention to them. So all of this had to be way before that. Oh, yeah, there are 700. Billy has written 40 books, and I recently heard 50, so maybe I'm underestimating. 40 books, he's written 40 books. He's written almost 1,000 contact reports now and hundreds of bulletins. So the play and may not give any more prophecies. We may not give well, any more. I, I, you know, it seems like they've given enough if people pay attention. Uh, right. And, and I, I think the last, <clears throat> when we did one of our things on prophecies, I think one of the things Billy had said was that there would be 800 years of um, war and then we would have peace. And, and I remember when we talked about it, I said, gee, I hope we're, we're fast, learn, faster learners than that. Now I'm not so sure. But <laughs> um, I want to get back to the Atlanteans because they fascinate me. Sure. Sure. So, Absolutely. So I'm going to pull so, you back to Atlantis. Oh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. The, the, the Atlanteans came here 133,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, Atlantis. And Caryatide, his wife, um, 
settled and built the great city of Atlantis. Karyatide's cousin, Muras, built the gigantic city of Mu, which was in the area of, of the Gobi Desert. Uh-huh. Everything went well for about 1,800 years. Then Eris the Barbarian came. He settled in Hyperborea. He conquered Hyperborea. His son conquered India. And um, at some point, they were actually pushed off the earth, but then they came back. This was about 115,000 years ago. Um, then there was – now, this, this, is, this is one thing that amazes me. Let me read this to you. And we're talking about Eris the Barbarian and his whole entourage. And probably at this point, uh, we're dealing with – Eris has probably passed away. Uh, and we're dealing with his uh, descendants. It says, after 2,000 years, during which the malicious refugees again created a high technical standard and produced many descendants, they returned filled with hate to the earth. And after they had increased Mm -hmm. their hate immeasurably against the extraterrestrial inhabitants of earth and were only able to preserve order within their own ranks with terrible punishments, spurred on by inhuman hate, They, through research and knowledge obtained from it, drove up their life expectancy to more than a thousand years. Their single wish was to gain control over the earth, for which reason every individual was taught wickedness and uh, was instructed in the craft of war. And after 2,000 years, this hate-drenched people was so far along that it could venture an attack on the earth. So these these people came back from Beta Centauri, and they came to the Earth, and this was about 113,000 years ago. It describes Eris um, as a bestial, barbarous man, uh, barbarous man. He was, his power was feared, uh, and they fell upon the Earth, robbing, murdering, taking possession of the land. Uh, They conquered the distant land in the northern regions where the climate was very good. That's Hyperborea, which I told you about. And uh, this was before the the upset of the Earth axis. And I I mentioned that Eris, his son, fell upon the lands that today we call India and Persia. And he also struck the forefathers of the Sumerians which is very interesting. Uh, And the the Sumerians are described as a a people of dark colored, not Negroid, but more like Europeans, but Uh dark skinned. They had a tall growth and they had, they were the descendants of a group of extraterrestrials who came here from the Syrian star system. They settled on the earth about 133,000 years ago as the refugees from the Playar and star system did also. So, okay, the Aryan conquered India, and he split off from Hyperborea, uh, and after about 210 years, he joined with the inhabitants of Mu and Agartha, and they, they kind of went inside these other cities and 
stirred up hatred and they were like terrorists and they they went into greater Atlantis and they stirred up wicked war activities. So this is kind of how they got this war going and they stirred up this great conflict uh, between Atlantis and Lemuria. The, one of one of the reasons I wanted to do this, um, and and it it feels very much like you know it's at least a two show discussion, not not one, is is because <laughs> well, well no listen this is I'm 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 seeing um, synchronicities here, Good. um and and. And I and I don't know if I'm if if it's just me or because I see synchronicities or if it's actually there, but this is a time frame where a lot of the people from that time frame have reincarnated on the planet, and if you'll notice, their way of warfare was to infiltrate with people who were sort of like gorillas. Right. Not the animal, but but isn't that what's happening today with oh, yeah. radical, radical Islamist stuff? Sure. Aren't we mirror? Is not the planet mirroring something that happened 113,000 years ago? Like a, a repeating cycle. Yes. Or something. Well, it's very interesting that you mentioned that, and I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. Um, it's it's very interesting how this all kind of evolved. Now, we get to this great war. And maybe... Should we talk about that? Do you want to talk about the Great War? Or uh, because maybe we can cover that quickly. Would you like to talk about okay, okay. uh, Sure, sure. Try sure, to? Sure. Cover, the, cover the Great War quick, quickly, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> sure, go for it. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Mark, cover anything quickly. Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, this, this is... This comes from Contact Report 59. Now, this is part of my uh, struggle. I'll have to tell you this much. Because the Meyer information is all written generally in German. And some of it's been translated. Well, they only translated a little bit of Atlantis stuff into English. So I had a friend who had one of the books written by Wendell Stevens. Do you remember Wendell Stevens? Yep. Wendell Stevens was the colonel that brought Lee and Britt Elders. He was a colonel in the Army Air Corps, and he brought Lee and Britt Elders over to do the whole investigation of the Meyer case and, you know, to test the photographs and the films and everything. And, and when it all tested okay to his satisfaction... One of the things he did was come back and try to get translations of a lot of this information. And Contact Report 59, he made a translation of, which 
is not a great translation. But what I did was, um, and my wife works at a law firm, so she took one of the books, and they have a machine which can copy, make copies of the book, okay, and convert that into a text file, which the I could go again and kind of clean up a little bit and make it an HTML page. So as far as I know, I have the only translation, the English translation of uh, Contract Report 59 on the web. Now the reason, you know, you're dealing with a tremendous amount of work that people have to do to try to translate all this material. And for whatever reason, they've put this as a low priority on their translation. So um, let's go through some of this and we can talk about it. And this is the talking, we're talking, we're, we're starting with the great war between Atlantis and Moria. And the power of Atlantis and Mu, they were on a scale uh, that we cannot really even wrap our minds around. The greater Atlantis people had an army of 4.83 million people. Uh, which was equipped with fighter beam ships. So there were all kinds of incredible ships flying around the Earth at this time. They had a giant fleet of what they called 123,000 one-man destroyer ships. They had these heat weapons that could eliminate matter in a fraction of a second. They had what they called... 24,000 overkill beamers, which had a crew of 10 men. And what they did was they took all these ships and they attacked Mu. And they, they melted Lemuria to the ground. Okay. And then the Atlanteans went back and celebrated and thought they won. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the scientists I, I know what of, happened. That's why I'm giggling. <laughs> the scientists of Mu had discovered powers which allowed them to turn asteroids into destroying cosmic bombs. So they went out into our asteroid belt and they picked a suitable planetoid which they could use as a deadly weapon to send against Atlantis. So they went outside the orbit of, uh, the orbit of Mars and they found this planetoid. It was several kilometers in diameter and they attached to it these engines, atomic electromagnetic magnetic engines. And they first had to break the asteroid, stop it, because it was in an, um, it was in an orbit. And then they drove this asteroid uh, towards the Earth and towards the Atlanteans. And it was incredible. As this they thing, crashed the party. Well, they, they crashed the party. Uh, <laughs> the, there were a couple scientists who were on this planetoid, who guided it in, uh, I guess by hand for whatever reason. And so they, they destroyed 
the city uh, of Atlantis. And what they did, and this, as this, um, well, let me read a little bit here what it says. It says, those destined for death saw the disaster rushing near. So they're seeing this thing in the just started to appear in the sky, high in the sky, far away, in the northwest, above the ocean, they saw this thing. And suddenly, there appeared this dark heavenly body, which raged and came nearer, and there was this glistening light coming from behind it. And this little glistening light became a monster in the sky, a giant within a few seconds. And it looked first like a falling star, but it rushed within a few seconds to a very close, gigantic size, blazing a fiery tail. And the people at Atlantis, they were fascinated and paralyzed. And their eyes were open wide in horror, and they stared at this monster, which at this point was still noiseless. They weren't hearing any sound. And then suddenly... They heard the sound, and it was like an unbearable howling sound when it entered the first layers of the atmosphere, and it was exposed to the friction. And two, la- two, two seconds later, this planetoid, it glowed like a supernova, nova, and the contact report says it generated a heat of 34,000 degrees. And just the heat of this thing started to turn parts of the Earth into glowing ashes and it hadn't even exploded yet and at some, something like uh, and this is a one questions about the translation like a hundred a hundred some odd kilometers in height it exploded is this, is, is this the asteroid that that had the power of 32,000 hydrogen bombs something like that yes exactly okay. 32,000 hydrogen bombs Okay. So you've read this before. <laughs> I said I did homework. So, <laughs> so when it exploded, the whole earth shook in this huge explosion. And thunder rolled over the whole globe. The earth was badly shaken and it caused volcanoes. And two great parts of this uh, asteroid, like two great fists, slammed into the Atlantic Ocean and slammed into the Earth's crust at the bottom of the sea. And the Meyer information explains that it seemed like the Earth would die because, like you said, the impact was like 32,000 hydrogen bombs. And deep down in the ocean, the crust was torn, and the Earth's innermost hot and glowing magma came up, and the waters of the sea started to bubble and boil, and rushed into the atmosphere. And, you know, part of this is from the crashing asteroid, uh-huh. and part of it from the heat. And they said it went up to 90,000 feet. I can't even imagine that. So no, by this either. event, I can't either. So there's, there was this gigantic tidal wave, which got to 2,300 meters high, which I can't imagine. And it, when it slammed into Atlantis, submerged Atlantis uh, in the speed of minutes and um, without leaving behind a single living creature. 
and the capital, which was formed in the shape of a beam ship, was rent into pieces and sank underground. Um, and this and this occurred about eleven thousand five hundred years ago. So that was the story of the great destruction of Atlantis and Lemuria, which I think is one of the most fascinating things that I have ever read. And um, I, I hope you enjoy that. I, I, I always enjoy going over that. Now, so that was the destruction. Go ahead. Haven't they found? Haven't they found in an area where where Moon was? Haven't they found sand that has been fused into glass? And the only way it possibly could have been fused into glass was from an explosion such as that. Uh, yeah, there there there's been several. Um, uh, there have been nuclear destruction on the Earth. Uh, from there have been atomic wars on the Earth. There, there have been um, all kinds of catastrophes, and um, we live in a very strange time. We 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 don't know I mean, our history. In in yeah. essence, you know, there is evidence of this happening. I mean, you know, oh, at least physical evidence. Of, Scientists acknowledge that the Earth was hit by a gigantic asteroid about 11,500 years ago. And they acknowledge that there was a, a what they call a crustal shift or a, a shift on the Earth's axis at that time. So this is the last, the destruction of the last great civilization on the Earth. And what happens after, I, t- I think, is extremely interesting as well. Well, this also, there was a tsunami too. I mean, it, yeah. it definitely um, uh, did, did a job. Well, the, the, the Earth was um, it was just almost destroyed. The ecosystem took hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, to recover. And I can't tell you if it's seven hundred or seven thousand years before people came back. Uh, Eris the 11th was the first guy that came back. And Eris the 11th, I call the beginning of the Giza intelligences, which I think we've talked about maybe. Did we ever talk about them? I think we probably did, yeah. It sounds familiar, uh, but then, then, you know, Patrick was a Giza person too, so I could have my men mixed up. So, um, I'll I'll just go on, or I'll let you ask questions, or you want to steer us a certain direction, or. Well, it's you know I'm still I'm still uh, <clears throat> I'm still into it. It just seems like this Earth is just a place where people come to fight. You know, they they live in peace for a while, and then they try to destroy one another, and it's usually. The scientists that, that are out lusting for power, that mm-hmm. that that are are the ones that fuel the armies into you know deciding to take over and come into control. Is there something <clears throat> I was going to say? Is there something about the human spirit? But but I'm trying to figure out if the human spirit is a, a mixture of all of the um, other cultures or species that have come here. Are we? Hybrids, in other words, are, are you know do we do we carry a little bit of each of these um, planetary visitors within our DNA, 
and 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 they all they all come in peace but end up in war. It's a it's a little frightening. Nobody's ever come in peace and stayed in peace. Not on Earth, not yet. Um, that's that's what the mission is all about. That's that's why this very ancient spirit form uh, in Edward Albert Meyer has come back to be a teacher on the earth again. And that's what this whole 13,000 year mission is all about is to bring back the teaching of the spirit so that uh, we can survive. And supposedly we do after 800 years. <laughs> as you, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it, It's, you know, I, again, I see such a synchronicity as to what has happened in, in, in it's, it's time and time and time again. And, and what I find fascinating is it is, it's not always the same star systems that come back here, but this seems to be a planet that supports the earth has to be unique to a certain degree to have this many different influxes of, 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 uh, I don't want to call them aliens because they are just like us and, and right. we may even be a part of them. So, so let's call them visitors for want of a better word. Um, but, but they came here, like you said, to live in peace and, and they did and they, they shared wisdom and they shared lots of stuff, but then suddenly something happened and uh, their true nature came out. What is it that, that happens that that turns brother against brother, literally. And isn't that just exactly what's happening to us today? Well, part of the problem here on Earth is genetic. And this is a whole nether line of discussion in the Meyer material. And I think it might be good to get into it. Um, could you, okay. can we do another break? Can we do a little break? And then we could get back into... Um, Talking about um, this evolution on Earth. Can you do breaks? Or is that I not can, good? Like play some, play some music? <laughs> can you, can I, you do that? I can, or? I can give you two minutes and 36 seconds. Is that enough? Yeah. I mean, uh, is, is that going to throw you off? If not, I can just roll on. Yeah. It, if you don't need a break, let's roll on because they're not going to be able okay. to put a break. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, all right. Um, so if we hit a point where I just have to have a break, then we'll, we'll, we'll do that. But the Earth, about 5 billion years ago, was formed into a solid mass. And, of course, there was no instant creation of human beings or planets as described in our uh, ancient scriptures. The mm -hmm. humans started to evolve naturally on the Earth about 9 to 12 million years ago, as I talked about. Now, the original mammal was um, something called, how if I can pronounce it, uh, Adelocelius cromptoni. That's about as close as I'm going to get. It was something that appeared about 225 million years ago in the late Triassic period. Adelocelius cromptoni, kind of um, the common ancestor of all modern mammals. And the first uh, example of this we found in uh, a fossil by a guy named Adrian Hunt. He was a paleontologist who found this, oh, I, I don't know, I'm just guessing in the 60s or the 70s. So what was 
so we have this is kind of how life started to evolve on earth now the Meyer material says that we are the remnants of five different kinds of human beings who are of extraterrestrial origin okay and, that's what i was looking for <laughs> okay 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 so some of these people as we've said have come from beta centauri some of these come from the Pleiaran star system and others came here from Lyra Vega. And the whole story of the Lilyrians when they were here is another discussion that we can get into. But I wanted us to, to kind of pull Mars into this because Mars is a part of our history as well. Um, okay. And Billy uh, got to visit some of these planets. And he just, he went in the 1970s when he was on Semyasa's ship, they, they visited some of these uh, just not get out and walk, but just to orbit and even to fly at some lower levels. Okay, now what's interesting about Mars is that Patak explained that Mars had large amounts of water, particularly in its rivers. Now today these rivers are filled with dust and volcanic ash. But the, the rivers on Mars were bigger than the largest rivers on Earth, bigger than the Mississippi River, bigger than the, you know, the Amazon, any of the largest rivers. Um Today, Mars has these gigantic raging snowstorms or um, sandstorms, which just go everywhere, and they and they've covered a lot of, the, of a lot of the the rivers and the canals that were on Mars. Contact two fifty one talks about um, in the future, the Earth humans that we are now will eventually repopulate Mars. And there will be 13 colonies on Mars in our future. And there will be this tremendous war that takes place between Earth and Mars. And these 13 colonies will be wiped out and the planet will be devastated again. Now, the Meyer material says that in our ancient past, there were technically advanced human beings from the Cirrus system called the Creator Overlords. And they created a human race with a limited lifespan of 100 years. And these people bore barbaric traits because they were genetically manipulated for conflict. See, the people that were living in the Sears system at this time were the descendants of the Lyrians, and the Lyrians had a problem with war. So the Syrians thought that they would genetically engineer out of themselves the... Um, the need for uh, they would take aggression out of them, and they went too far with that, and they developed these people that would do their fighting, and they realized that these genetically manipulated people who they limited their lifespans to a hundred years were very dangerous, and they realized that they were going to have to wipe them out. Well, these genetically manipulated peer, people. They found out about this, and so they fled the Cirrus system along with certain benevolent, quote-unquote, benevolent creator overlords who were trying to save them from being wiped out. Well, they left the Cirrus system, and they came to our system, and they settled on two planets. They settled on Mars and Melona, and uh, Malona was another world that was in our system. There were three planets in our system that supported life in the ancient past. 
And on Malone and Mars, they constructed cities, pyramids, stations, and they led a pretty good life on Mars until they, Mars was wiped out. Um, Malona was destroyed by the people on the planet. So these people were engineered for warfare, is what I'm trying to say, is the people yeah. on Malona and Mars. They were engineered for warfare, and they destroyed planet Malona. Mars was destroyed pretty much by what's called the Destroyer Comet, which is something we can get into. The people, some of the genetically manipulated people left Mars, came to the Earth, and they had to, they had to be altered somewhat. Uh, maybe we can get into that. I never got exactly what happened to them. But they had to be altered for life on Earth. But these people that had been genetically engineered for war mixed with the Earth people. So the entire human race on the Earth now has this genetic manipulation. We were built for war, and we have a limited lifespan to 100 years. The normal lifespan for many planets is 1,000 years for human beings. So that's why we're in the mess we're in. Now, that doesn't uh, explain everything because the Atlanteans that came here were not genetically engineered for war, and they still have war. But we are fighting against this genetic engineering that occurred, you know, a long, long time ago. And mm-hmm. now this is part, part of our, 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 our biology. And this is why Earth is off limits. And you'll find this in later contexts is the intelligences out there would, many of them would just go ahead and wipe out the people on the Earth because of this genetic manipulation because they see uh, us as extremely, extremely dangerous. But well, we are, and, when, and, and we're primitive. Yes. But, um, I mean, I, I, can, I can understand why we're quarantined. It yeah. makes good sense. <laughs> and, and yet, those, those, those groups that did come to the planet to live in peace had to have left some of their genomes here too right right so um this gets this is very interesting because according to my information there is what's called a high council okay and they have pretty much written us off here on the earth the the people that are in contact with billy are part of his genetic ancestry back to Nocodamia. And the only reason we have contact with them is because of this affiliation with Billy's former personality. So this is how extreme things are on the earth. Uh, We have pretty much been written off by these higher intelligences. But we have one last chance through this teaching of the spirit, which... Um, is extremely important topic, and but what's really fun, and I'm glad we did this today, is it it kind of sets the whole stage, so that we can start to understand what has happened and who we are, and what the challenges are, and um, well, you know, you know that, that was that, that was part of the point. You know, who were they, 
and who are we in rela- in relation to them? Mm-hmm. I mean, I I you know I don't you know I I truly believe that the originals, whoever they were, were giants. And yeah, I I really if you look at um, ancient Egypt, all of the huge statuary, I believe those were life, those were true to life. Um, you know, they, they weren't just gigantic, whatever they were gigantic because that was their size. And, um, I, I think interbreeding, you know, does kind of lessen your lifespan and it does lessen, um, some of your traits, you spread them out over long enough. They, you know, we shrink and and I think we are shrinking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know I am. Um, (laughs) So, so, and I know people personally that that have some of the giant features, you know, double rows of teeth, extra digits on their hands, and, and it's and it runs true into their in in their family in, in their family that the you know these are traits that have come down through the family. Those are some of the um, characteristics that the giants were known to have that that we have records of and that we've seen the bones of. So. You know, I, I know that in some way we are connected to this. It isn't just it's it's you know a group of people came here, lived a while, had a fight, and left. It they left part of themselves here, and and we're a result of that. So that so that understanding the Meyer material to a degree gives you an indication as to what direction we might go in, and then might not. I mean, if you look at some of the bestiality that's taken place with some of these radical Islamic people or, or, or others, you know, that, that are barbaric. I mean, is, is that just something genetically that, that they were prone to and that some of the rest of us are not quite prone that way because we, I mean, you're spreading stuff out over 133,000 133, years. Well, let me take a very, very short break. I want to get back into some of these issues you brought up because, um, I think they're very interesting. Why don't you continue just for about 30 seconds to to talk about the giants and this whole genetic uh, engineering thing? I'll pontificate. Um, okay, great. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. I, 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 this material keeps coming up to me and hitting me in the face. Also, the material of talk, which, which goes along with all of this. If, if anybody is interested, if you look up the Emerald Tablets and you look for the um, Dr. Dural translation. Um, he does go into Toth, was Hermes, was another, well, Mercury, I think. And um, he was a giant and he was a prince of Atlantis. And um, he left Atlantis when Atlantis went beneath the waves in the, the master's starship. And he went to the land of Chem, which was Egypt, and and that's where he took his wisdom, his knowledge, and 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 everything. And he ruled there for I don't know something like fifteen to fifty thousand years. I forget exactly, but but it it sort of wakes you up to the fact that um, the way that we look at our our our, our growth as as species, I, we are not indigenous to this planet from from everything that i can read and figure the, the we are not just homo sapiens that there are other strands there and if you look at our dna the of the of the um 23 
um, um, strands of DNA, only one of them is activated. The others are not activated. So, so that we carry within us memories, um, memories and characteristics and wisdom and insight and history um, from, from those other sources of, of, of our being. And to, to say that we are just homo sapiens evolved from apes is, is to diminish the extent of the wisdom and the, and the magic and the gifts that we bring into this reality. I mean, I will give you, I will grant you that our bodies are avatars for a spirit, but, but that spirit is connected into the, the wiring that is here. And that would take us back hundreds of thousands of years of evolution. And, and if that's the case, when, when um, Mark was talking about the different stages of evolution, we have the potential inside of us to achieve all those. He, he only gave us five. He didn't give us six and seven. But, but we have that potential inside of us. And, and it's important that everybody realize that that potential is there. It's, it's not that some have greater than others. It's, it's we all have this potential. And it's sort of like driving around in a, in a car. I, I drove around in a car for 20 years. And when I got a new car, it had bells and whistles that I still haven't discovered all of them. And it makes me feel like our spirit is in a vehicle that has bells and whistles and, and overdrives and all sorts of amazing things if we can only figure out how to push the right buttons. And if we push the right buttons, we can change the, the, the true destiny pathway of our species on this planet at this point in time. Um, I don't want to see this planet become another battleground for um, races that are out there having trouble on their world. So they destroy their world and they come here to help us and then end up, you know, destroying us and sending us all back to stage one again. I mean, you know, if it happens, it happens. And certainly with reincarnation, you know, we're all capable of, of going and then coming back. And then, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's not the end of the world. The planet will survive us for sure. That's, there's, there's no doubt about that. It's, it survived before we were here. It's, it's obviously survived um, several different planetary systems sending out colonists to, to come and, and try to evolve onto this planet. It, it's a little scary that some of them, you know, they had, um, it sounds kind of like Star Trek in a way, doesn't it? You know, a non-intervention. Um, you know, they could sit here, they could be um, highly evolved, but they can't um, mingle with us because they can't um, in any way influence our own evolutionary process. But our evolutionary process is already there. It's, it's, it's kind of like whoever comes and visits us is probably somebody that's been here before. And, and we have the memories in our, I, see, I believe we all carry our own hall of records inside of us in our DNA so that, so that all of that information is there and it's available to us. And it's a matter of, of taking that journey, that inner journey to self-awareness to discover where those little buttons are, where those, um, you know, where, where those things are hidden from us on a consciousness level. And, and part of that is evolving consciously and stretching ourselves into the spiritual understanding of why we're here and the fact that we're one family. And, you know, it, I, I know that at this point in time, any real intelligent race is not going to come down here. So, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> 
Oh, you're back. Um, yeah, I've been back. I've just been listening. Been oh, okay. Um, so anyhow, I, you know, I do believe that, that we have all of these different levels of awareness in us. And, and they've been there because we're a part of those that have those levels of awareness, but we don't know how to access them. Indeed. I agree with you. There um, is a very interesting history on this earth, a very interesting, um, it, it's, I think if we understood our own history, most of our mi- misunderstandings would go away. And I, I, I wish more of this that I've talked about could be proved and maybe in the future, hopefully it will be. Now, I didn't know, uh, did you have any particular uh, direction you wanted to go? Do you want to talk about the spiritual teachings? Did you want to, we really haven't covered the Lyrians that much. There's probably more about, more about the Atlanteans. Got, yeah, we've only got about 10 more minutes. Um, oh, is that all? I thought we had another half an hour. Okay. No, because um, I yeah, have break. to, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. we went. You know, we went through the break, but yeah, um, I, you know, I, I, I still am, am, am really in a quandary because I know we're, we're sort of quarantined, but that's never stopped them before from coming to the planet and trying to take over the planet. And it seems to me that every time they settle here, their ambition is to take over the planet. I mean, well, we have... Um, we happen to be here. Yeah, it's in uh, the uh, the Giza intelligences were the last what I would call um, negative group that were on the Earth. The Meyer information says they were pushed off the Earth in maybe the late 1970s. They um, were a splinter group of the Pleiaren, uh, but before that. Before that 1995 year, there were something like 2,862 extraterrestrials on the Earth. They were in bases in Asia, North America, Switzerland. But in 1995, they left for whatever reason. We we didn't know why. There were a group of Hyperboreans on the Earth. What I talked about earlier, there was a group called the Hasters, which which were on the Earth. The Hasters... They were closer to our level of evolution. They were maybe um, uh, 1,100 years um, more advanced than us. They were. They came here from another galaxy. They were brought here by the Pleiaren. Now, the galaxy they came from was like 483 million light years from Earth. Can't even imagine that kind of distance. They were brought here. They were about, like I said, 1,120 years ahead of us. They were very ethical. They had very highly distinct lifestyles. They were peaceful. They were loving. They live, and this is interesting, they live in the same time level as the people in our system. The Hasters, uh, they were interested in us. The player and brought them here. They came here in what's called the, the Great Spacer, the Great Mothership. The player and helped them build uh, a station in the, in the depths of the North Sea. And one interesting thing about the Hasters is that their consciousness and mental-related development uh, were similar to the Earth humans. So, and this is something people aren't aware of, 
the Pleiaran are so much higher than us in terms of their evolution that they're no longer uh, compatible with Earth people. In other words, they cannot stand to be in our presence because our vibrations uh, turn out to be unbearable for them, and it causes all kinds of horrible reactions to the Pleiaran. They lose control of their body, and, and they have to use a technology to protect themselves from the, our thinking. Now, and this technology only works about a half an hour. And that's why, you know, people, there's no one else having contacts with the player. And, and because the only reason, and again, I went into this to a certain degree, because of Billy's age, his spirit form is compatible with theirs, um, compatible with their vibrations. Now, in fact, one person walked into the room, and I think the guy's name was Jacobus, one of the people of the Figu walked into the room accidentally when Billy had was having a contact with Semyase. She immediately kind of fell. She was hit by his vibration, so to speak, and, and literally lost control of her body, fell, hit her head on a table. And one reason, one way or another, she did manage to get teleported back to her ship, but she went unconscious. She fell into a coma. She had to be rescued. And, um, Billy's contacts with Semyasi were cut off for several months. She came back, reestablished the contacts, but she had a terrible relapse, and now the contacts with Semyasi are completely over. Um, and she's off somewhere for the next, for decades. It's going to take her decades to recover from the damage she got when she hit her head. So these extraterrestrials are not compatible with Earth humans. Now, what was interesting about the Hasters is that they could stay connected to us in our presence for 17 hours without any problems. But after that point, our negative vibrations start to wear on them and they start to lose uh, control of themselves. So that's how different we are, you know, and that's, so, that's, so, go ahead. So why, why are they here if they're not compatible? They're not here. They're well, not the Astors were. The Hasters were here. Something happened in 1995, according. I'm getting. I, I'm just a spokesperson here for the Meyer material. Yeah. In 1995, the Meyer material says they all left, and all the people that I've talked to in Switzerland say the same thing. There are there are no bases anymore. There are no extraterrestrials on the Earth anymore. Um, the only the occasional contact Billy has with the Playaren here every you know however many times, maybe four or five times a year, they'll come and you know, Billy will get a little bit more information and expand the contact notes a little bit. But I, I, the rest... Kind of makes you think ahead. like the rats leaving the sinking ship. I think so. I think um, we're very much on um, like a teeter-totter. You know, we could go either way. And... Um, yeah, uh, it's really, that's how important the spiritual teaching is. And that's really my focus. Uh, I love the history uh, because I think the more you understand the history, the better frame of reference you have for all this. Uh, if you don't understand the history, and you don't understand the background, then whatever I would say as far as the spiritual teaching, uh, a lot of people would just ignore it because they don't see how it could possibly be true. But uh, yeah, I think um, we're in for a wild ride. And oh yeah, well, I, I think I think Mark actually our next show we should do on the spiritual teaching. That would be great. 
and then just just refer people back to this show for the background. <laughs> <laughs> I love the background. I love the history. I could talk about this all the time, but it's, really it's the really, first... it's, it's great stuff. But but you know when you realize that they're not here anymore, that their their contacts with Billy are are have been, you know he he used to talk to him all the time. And yeah, and... she used to land her ship in Switzerland outside in the daylight and she would walk over to Billy who would usually wait a couple hundred meters from the ship and sit down and they would talk right there in Smidruchi, Switzerland. And, and at that time there were some 2,800 extraterrestrial humans. They were, you know, in these bases, they were in the background, but whatever happened in 1995, maybe at that point they could see that Fukushima was inevitable. Just, I'm purely speculating. I have no idea uh-huh. what made them actually leave, but this, according to the Meyer information anyway, and it's really interesting because people ask me questions about extraterrestrials, and I tell them this, and boy, it doesn't, it's not very popular, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> you know, people don't want to hear this, but <laughs> that's okay. Uh, it's, it really, and you know, and I know we're running out of time, but the... Um, the gravity of the situation is, I think, what you're getting at, correct? Yeah. It just, it, yeah. to me, it, it, it feels as though, I mean, in looking back at this, and, and, I, and I urge everybody to um, check out um, Billy's website. I, I, put it in, um, I put it in the chat room. It's, it's www.futureofmankind.co.uk, and um, that's his website. And that's the take a, it's it's a website put up by a guy named James Moore yeah. in the UK and it's the contact reports. There are right. also websites of Figu, but yeah, that's fine. Well, and and it's the the material is amazing, but I, I think the thing that the that really gets to me is that after going through you know going back to Plato and then coming through all of the other guys that you know the material is there the, the fundamentally, you know, the only thing, and it, it's the same in a lot of it is the, the, the name of the Island Atlantis, but, but the fact that, that it's been, there were four Atlantises, that, that this is something that has happened over and over again, over tens of thousands of years. And it, 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 it I do believe is continuing. And, you know, where, where it may have started 133,000 years ago, um, it feels like, you know, every 10 or 15,000 years, there is upheaval. And I think we're at that point now. So, um, and I'm not predicting a meteor hit or anything like that. I, I, I think that the next revolution is probably going to be an internal one rather than an external one. And that maybe they withdrew their energy to kind of let us do it on our own and see if we could survive the the, the pangs of birth. Hmm. That's scary. Yeah, the Hannah prophecies talk about two civil wars in the U.S. and, and the U.S. Be divi- being divided into five different areas, which I hope doesn't happen. And I, I'd really like it if it didn't happen. So so I, <laughs> I would like Billy to be wrong. So, I mean, you know, people ask me, I say I would like Billy to be wrong about almost all this stuff, to tell you the truth. Because uh, well, it's just staggering. Well, and- Yes, it is staggering, but you'll you'll remember that when I decided it would be great to see how how accurate Billy was, you and I were both shocked 
that it was frighteningly accurate. It's frighteningly and, accurate. You can look at just the fires, which we can talk about sometime. Uh, the fires, and what's, that's what's so strange about our society, is most, including me, I'm not as aware of these things as I should be. But they're just oh, staggering. Yeah, and and um, from from what I've seen, from what I've heard, and, and your guests last night were talking about um, the um, New Madrid fault line opening up again, and I've been saying that's going to happen um, for the last couple of years. It's been in my predictions. You you watch someday it'll happen, and I'll be able to say, "See, I told you so." And so, some some smart aleck is going to say, "Yeah, you told us the five years in a row before it actually happened." But um, I keep predicting it; it will happen someday. But but there's a lot of stuff out there, and and Billy's predictions. I mean, he foresaw so much stuff, and accurately, and and not vague. Not not like Nostradamus, where you have to understand a quatrain. It's it's right out there. So, right. But but I I do I wanna I wanna thank you so much. I I so appreciate you taking the time to to record this with me so that um I could pump your brain yet again. <laughs> well, my pleasure. I I really enjoy it. It's so good to go over this, and I still feel like we 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 scratched the surface. There's just so much more here. Well, we'll we'll do another one on the spirituality because that's where that's where my forte is. So, um, but but I do thank you for the for the, for some of the foundational work because it it gives people a better understanding that that Atlantis was not what the what the fairy stories are. These, right. These were these were people who were warriors, and yeah. they were out. They they were they were not out for making nice with everybody. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know I, I hate to say it, but but that that is truly um, part of part of the whole thing, and 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 the fact that that all of us have some of some of the the genes, some of the we have some of the 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 um, we have we have part of them in us. So they weren't strangers. They were part of our makeup. Not totally, but, well, but they didn't well, come here to create a slave race either. One of the things that Billy said that I found extremely interesting in the book The Psyche is that the normal Earth human, his spirit form is about four to five million years old. But the people that came here that were in these uh, other earlier civilizations uh, that died on the earth because the planet that you die on is the planet you reincarnate on. So the mm-hmm. people from Playarn system, from Beta Centauri, from these other star systems have a spirit form that's about 8 to 12 million years old. Wow. So it's a little older than earth humans. So we have, the people that died in these other civilizations have a different perspective on life. Right. So we're going to have to leave it with that thought. But, Mark, thank you so much. I so appreciate it. And um, I'll get a hold of you, and we will aim at spirituality next time. Fantastic, Barbara. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye now. Bye. I want to thank everybody for being here. And um, you can find Mark at Ohio Exopolitics. And uh, he's on Blog Talk Radio, and his shows are fabulous. And um, 
I will thank you all. I wish we could have gone further and longer, but that's all the time we've got. So have a great one, everybody. along host of nightlight radio inviting you to join me on a cosmic journey exploring a metaphysical montage of spiritual material covering everything from the mundane to the magical ufos to unicorns and everything in between including spiritual readings for those who seek enlightenment let nightlight provide you with equal measure of light love and laughter insight wisdom and inspiration monday nights 10 to 12 p.m. Eastern, right here on Studio B, Revolution Radio, at freedomslips.com. Who are we? Where do we come from? Are you curious about the origins of the human race? 
Join me, Gavin McCall, and a variety of guests on Ancient Humans, where we decipher world events, explore scientific